Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Scott Mazarski, a managing director with JEGI, a middle market investment bank, where he is leading the firm's legal and compliance practice. Hi, Scott. How are you? Great, Ari. How are you doing? I'm very well, and it's a privilege to speak with you. So tell us about your background and your role at JEGI. So I started my career as a cross-border M&A lawyer for a couple of multinational firms. For your audience, Ari, they should know that we actually worked together back in the day. Both of us speak Japanese. Both of us are from Brooklyn, New York. It's kind of frightening. Ultimately went in the house and I ran legal as a general counsel and head of M&A and corporate development for a FTSE 100 group called UBM. UBM was invested in a bunch of different media assets around the world. And I was lucky in my timing that I took on the role when the group was under leveraged, we had sold off all of our television assets, as well as the fifth largest market research group in the world. We had about $3 billion in cash, very little debt, a $5 billion market cap. So we were either going to get taken over, become a lot smaller, or transform our group. And we went out, and in my first three and a half years in the role, we did 65 acquisitions and 18 divestitures which was a great learning experience. Ultimately, I moved to the business side and my first big operating role was at our subsidiary PR Newswire and then made my way to Bloomberg where I ran Bloomberg's business across the legal market. And then I left Bloomberg and ran North America for Vanden Capital, which is one of the larger legal finance players. And ultimately have now moved to JGI, where as you said, I run the firm's practice across the legal and compliance market. So I've got in addition to that bio making me sound old, it also kind of illustrates how I'm trying to add value. I've been both outside counsel and also a general counsel, as well as sold into the legal market at both Bloomberg and at Vannon and at PR Newswire, actually. So a lot of interesting pattern recognition and experience that hopefully enables me to add value to various people across the ecosystem of legal market investing. What was that transition like in terms of starting your career at a law firm, moving in-house, leading a legal organization, then running a litigation finance practice, and now evaluating investments in legal? Another expression, it's not hard to please the ignorant. I actually have been pretty happy at each step in my career, right? A lot of people go into law firms and they say, oh, I got to get out of law firms. I hate law firms. I hate billing time. I kind of like being at a law firm. And Unfortunately, the firm I was at began to experience some problems and looked like it was going to either merge or be uh, bankrupt even potentially, not because of anything I did. So I moved on to in-house because I was intrigued and so on and so on. It is different. Being a lawyer, whether it's at a firm or in-house or frankly, closer to what I'm doing now around legal market investing and M&A capital market advisory is a lot more transactional than owning a P&L and operating a business. They both have a lot of benefits and they're both you know, intellectually challenging and hopefully you're having a real positive impact on people and helping people around you learn and grow and build something sustainable. It is a very different existence. Can you characterize what the legal tech market was like before March and early 2020 and how it has changed now as we're in the fourth quarter of 2020? 
the market today is similar to what it was pre-pandemic, but different. So the legal market over the last three years, approaching March 2020, had become more and more active. There were more and more investments going on in early to mid-stage companies. M&A was on the rise, both in legal tech, in tech-enabled legal services, as well as in legal finance, right? And then the pandemic came. And from March through kind of May of this year, the market was pretty dead. Companies that had good products tended to continue to do pretty well from an operating perspective. The sales cycle generally extended. It took longer for them to close deals, but they held up pretty well. Then we got to the third quarter as some people began to cut back to work and people began to kind of get over the shock of dealing with lockdowns and the extremely unique period that we all have gone through. And the market began to ramp. And the third quarter was extremely active. In Q3 of this year, there were over 30 M&A deals in the legal market and an equal number of deals involving earlier stage financing. October also has started with a bang. The market has become extremely active again after a lull from March to kind of May-ish, June-ish. The interesting thing that's changed is where the money is flowing. What we've seen coming into Q3 and after Q3 are the parts of the market that, for lack of a better word, prospered or at least were very stable and well-positioned during the pandemic and that, frankly, have offerings that should benefit from what firms and the buy side of the market, the clients have gone through during the pandemic, tend to be the ones attracting the most money. So what does that mean? Very active around legal practice management. Why? Well, the main reason is you're seeing a major shift in how law firms manage their businesses. And that shift is happening in a couple of ways. One is disruption we were seeing prior to the crisis, which was that in an era of more commoditization, in an era of clients holding firms more accountable and a lot more transparency in the market, firms have had to manage their firms more like businesses. And they need tools to do that. And the legal practice management platforms in a number of different ways enable them to do that. The second issue is really around the cloud. So firms have recognized that having everything on-prem, probably not a good idea, given what we've all just gone through, given people not being able to be in their offices, businesses that are more nimble and flexible tend to perform better. And this is a trend we're seeing across the legal market, obviously, not only in the LPM space. Other areas, Ari, that as a result of the crisis that people are looking at sort of with fresh eyes, the LPO space. So LPO and BPO, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I think firms are likely to reduce their overall office footprint as they've recognized that more people can work effectively from home. In a market where change management has always been a real challenge, people have been forced to change. And I think a number of them, you know, based on conversations that I've had, are recognizing that actually they can be extremely effective working from home. And I think the notion that a firm has to have everything on-prem and all their people in the same office is going by the wayside. I think that bodes well for both the LPO and the BPO industry. And then the other thing is litigation. Litigation was really kind of came not quite to a grinding halt, but close to a grinding halt, really has slowed down during the crisis. But there's kind of a backlog. 
And that bodes really well for industries ranging from e-discovery to litigation support all the way through to legal finance. Why do you think so many people are now interested in legal technology? The legal market, and this is one of the reasons that you know I got into my current gig, was my hypothesis was that legal tech had been overshadowed by fintech and tested that in a bunch of places around the market. And everybody seemed to agree with that. Um, fintech, as you know, has been extremely active over the last 10, 15 years. The legal market was slower to change than the finance industry. However, even before the pandemic, we were seeing a tremendous amount of disruption by technology, data, and frankly, by capital enabling new business models. And I think that investors have woken up to the fact that the legal market has very similar patterns to the finance market. It was slow to adopt a number of solutions, but as a result of all the macro factors impacting it, it was a result of increased transparency and commoditization for firms that forced them to have to do a better job of developing business and of convincing their clients and potential clients that they're the best ones to work with based on data and on analytics, that has led to a tremendous amount of opportunity across the market. And I think that that's the main reason that there was a lot of interest in legal tech growing over the last three, four years. I think where we're seeing even more of it coming out of the pandemic is based on what I said earlier, which is that A, People recognize that the legal market's been slow to change. It's being disrupted. And actually that disruption's accelerating coming out of the pandemic because firms and their clients are recognizing that a number of the obstacles that caused them to move slowly have either fallen away or really weren't obstacles in the first place. I mean, and I think the other thing is there's a little bit of a follow the leader mentality. As more and more deals get announced in the legal market and the fact that There's so many companies in so many different pockets of the market solving real problems and growing to a level where they have sufficient critical mass for an investor to partner with them and infuse capital into those companies has really excited a lot of people. Those are the different reasons, Ari, why I think we're having a tremendous amount of activity. What are investors looking for now? Obviously growth. Investors always are looking for growth or at least to figure out how to see a path to significant growth. The foundation of that is good, solid businesses that actually solve problems and create opportunities. Investors aren't that excited by annuity businesses. Most investors really like subscription or recurring revenue because it gives them predictability and forecastability and a sense of stability that businesses that are more transactional don't necessarily exist. They also clearly are looking for strong management teams and management teams with a vision as to how they can take their businesses to the next level. And the last thing I'd say is parts of the market where there are roll-up opportunities. So one of the reasons the legal practice management space has been so active and why the discovery markets and the litigation support markets have been so active over the last few years is as platforms a company with critical mass can then be used to acquire a number of smaller companies and therefore enable those companies to grow that much more quickly, combining inorganic growth with the organic growth that the companies are already experiencing. How has the inability to travel impacted deal flow, especially for cross-border transactions? Since Q3, deal flow 
not only frankly in legal and compliance, but in other parts of the market too that I'm seeing in my day to day has been pretty robust. We're almost at pre-pandemic levels. I'd say in the legal market we're at or actually maybe even ahead of pre-pandemic levels. So that means there's a lot of active deals. During the pandemic, the debt markets were kind of frozen. Not true anymore. Debt markets have loosened up. However, you know, I think the days of somebody levering up a business four or five times prior to the pandemic, especially a business that doesn't necessarily have a significant amount of recurring revenue, I think those are gone for a while. But the debt markets have loosened up and people can get debt to get deals done. The people are engaging with management teams on Zoom. There are deals actually closing that I know of where people never met the management team of the business they're buying in person. However, in certain deals, what will happen is you'll narrow the field down to one potential investor or bidder, and then people will, in a very socially distant and responsible way, arrange for an in-person meeting. What's interesting, Ari, is I do not see a lot of evidence of cross-border acquisitions happening. So a lot of the deals that are occurring are regional. A number of illegal tech deals are happening in the same region where both the investor and the relevant target company are. Maybe part of that is travel restrictions. Maybe the part of that is a hesitancy to do a deal unless you have met the people in person or spent time together in the same time zone. I don't know, but it is interesting that the large majority of the deals that are getting done involve people in the same region or country. What has changed generally in legal during the pandemic that will have a lasting impact once it's over? The first thing is the way that people engage with each other and collaborate. We all joke about how calls that would have been just phone calls and not meetings prior to the pandemic have become Zoom calls. And it's almost exhausting to have to put on a collared shirt, right? If you're having a business call because you, you were sitting at home and you got used to being dressed down. So the way we interact with each other has changed and has changed permanently. I think what that does is it opens the door towards more online collaboration and online engagement. During the pandemic, both Arizona and Utah announced liberalizations of Rule 5.4, which enables non-lawyers to own an equity interest in law firms. That is a big deal. I think a number of other states are going to follow, and I think that will present loads of opportunities for legal finance companies all the way through to legal tech companies. Deal negotiations, you know, a lot of that was already going on online and over the phone. You and I can remember back in the day doing diligence where you'd walk into a room and there'd be 100 boxes to go through. That really changed a long time ago with virtual data rooms. So we haven't really seen a huge change in behavior there, but absolutely have seen more and more uh, practitioners wanting to move to the cloud and wanting to find ways to better engage with their clients and others. Where do you see the legal market headed? Well, I'm obviously bullish about the legal market and about the landscape around M&A and capital markets and legal. I think that we are on the 20-yard line of a 100-yard field as it relates to the market continuing to evolve and continuing to grow. First of all, on the investment side, 
there's been a tremendous amount of activity by private equity, but we shouldn't forget the strategics. Back in the day, the old joke was if a company grew to $5 million, it would be gobbled up and really not get a chance to grow to a meaningful size. And what held back investors in the legal market was a concern that there weren't many strategics to buy companies off of them if a private equity group were to buy a platform company. That's changed dramatically. It's a fascinating market now with loads and loads of strategic players who are looking for ways to grow their businesses in addition to the organic growth they're experiencing. Where do I see the practice of law going? Litigation and the dynamic around the growth of litigation and the growth of data. It's hard to imagine a scenario where we don't continue to see growth there and where that doesn't present an opportunity for the e-discovery players and the rest of kind of the litigation services and funding the ecosystem. Even if the economy, we go into a recession, as there always are, there'll be a shift in work and maybe the M&A markets won't be quite as active, but there'll be a lot of workouts and a lot of distressed assets. And by virtue of that, there'll be a fair amount of transactional work. So I think the overall legal market is really well positioned to continue to grow. I think that we are going to see more and more disruption from technology and from capital. It's a good time to be a founder or a PE-backed firm in the legal market because I think investor interest will continue to grow. And frankly, I think that the relaxation of the ethics rules across a number of states will provide more and more opportunities for some interesting things to be done around merchant banking and around leveraging capital in ways that people weren't able to do it beforehand. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Scott Mazarski, a managing director with JEGI, a middle market investment bank where he leads the firm's legal and compliance practice. Scott, thanks so much. Thank you, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit reinventingprofessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.